What's up, everybody? This is a super flexible podcast coming to you with episode 85. I am two drink. As always, my boy Swag is here. What's up, man? How's it going? It's kind of uh, lunch I'm, date-y. Yeah, it is. It's a, it's a Friday lunch date. I'm actually at home, so without getting in trouble, I'm going to crack this beer. That was a Pepsi. Uh, it, it was not. It's a golden <laughs> monkey. Nine and a half percent. Let's roll out and have some fun. Um, I'm going to try not to drink too much, though, because I feel like I'm going to be writing a lot of notes down because we have the analytics of Dynasty himself, Jordan McNamara. What's up, buddy? What's going on, guys? Thanks for having me on. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to come join you guys. Yeah, thank you. So we're going to talk a lot about your book today, The Analytics of Dynasty 2020. A few upgrades. You said you had some super flexible stuff. You also rank and write for footballguys.com, right? Yeah, so I, uh, I've i actually worked with football guys for... Uh, like three years doing game recaps uh, for the Bills. The, the, I added the Lions and the uh, the Bears uh, the, over the past couple of years as well. And I, then I got the opportunity to be a, um, a, a staff writer with them. And I'm actually hosting, uh, along with Chad Parsons, uh, I'm hosting their new Dynasty uh, podcast. So you can find all that at the uh, Dynasty, all, all of that on the Football Guys uh, audio feed. Yeah, and you should absolutely be checking that stuff out. You guys come through with like quite a few different, like big guests. Yeah, it's been it's been like a it's been a really interesting thing, and then you get like all of the other stuff from the football guys. Uh, you know, all the all the stuff that Sig and uh, Matt Waldman and uh, yep. Cecil Lamy yeah. do. It's just it's a it's a good it's a it's a good source of diverse information. Absolutely. So let's talk about this book. Like you said, you added some super flex stuff to it, changed it up a little bit this year. Um, first of all, where could people get this book? Yeah, you can go to analyticsofdynasty.com. Um, and I think I, I actually created a, uh, a sh- uh, promo for the, for the show. Um, it's a, uh, it's a, tw- uh, the book is typically $30, but if you use the, there's a code, um, uh, a specific product on the on my site that is just for su- it's a, it's a Superflex pod. Enter the password Superflex. It's capital S and then Superflex, um, and you get twenty five dollars off. I'm Very also cool. going to donate a portion of it to COVID nineteen relief. Uh, so any proceeds, I'm going to donate uh, a portion of it to uh, to some uh, relief of. Uh, of the virus. So, um, yeah, go check that out. Analytics at dynasty.com slash shop. You'll find the specific one for the show and, uh, and you can download it and you can find all the, my audio content too, over at patreon.com slash analytics at dynasty. Nice. That's awesome. Thanks a lot. This is, this is the second year that you've actually put this book together, right? 2019 was, was not super flex, but more just your strategy and, and kind of how to look at it overall. Yeah, so twenty so twenty nineteen the the problem that I had with twenty nineteen was I didn't have any superflex data, so I had a lot of start one data, but I didn't have any superflex stuff in terms of okay. going back uh, and looking at historical stuff because a lot of what the book looks at is you know uh, historical ADP. Uh, it looks at you know what what is value and and those sorts of things. Tries to answer questions about productivity at certain spots and startup drafts, for example. And I didn't have any of that to do with Superflex. So now, uh, fast forward a year, I got my hands on data going back to um, 2014 and, and 2015 in that range with Superflex data. Uh, so I was able to sort of 
use a lot of the concepts that I did from the first book, expand upon them. And then I looked at quarterbacks in a completely different way than I had uh, was able to do in the first book. And I also came up with some with some metrics to look for. Uh, going forward in terms of how to identify quarterbacks a little bit better and how we should be thinking about them in drafts. Yeah. So is there anything from, you know, doing it the second year or second time around, not just, you know, changing into super flex, but is there anything you, you kind of learned or um, once putting out 2019 decided you, you needed to change or, or maybe even upgrade for 2020? So the super flex angle was really big. Okay. Um, and so that, that was, that was, I think of all of the questions that I got when I first wrote it was, uh, you know, how can I sort of cover Superflex? So I thought a lot about doing that. Um, and I, so that, that was a big one in terms of, in terms of new coverage. Um, but also I wanted to answer questions like, so my, the first book focused a lot on like, I would call it an overview of dynasty. So it focused pretty much on every topic. Uh, in terms of from you know, startup drafts to rookie drafts to some player evaluations to draft pedigree to different strategies and all like it covers a whole range of stuff. But, but in doing that, I couldn't there was only so much like specific stuff I could truly dial in on without making it, you know, war and peace level, uh, you know, length. So this book, I took a little bit different of a focus in terms of looked at Superflex. I, I looked a lot at the 2019 draft class in terms of how a bad class like that, um, but bad class is a strong word for it. How a class like that, where there's not the elite top end talent uh, in other classes, is how you should work in a draft class like that. Because it was actually a good class if you did it right. Uh, and and so a lot of that uh, strategy, and I looked a lot at different picks in terms of uh, different values in terms of uh, how rookie picks should be valued and different historical pedigrees and what constitutes a reach and and rookie drafts, a whole lot of rookie draft data. So if you're still in rookie drafts, uh, that's a, a good source of information there. And it's not just Superflex, right? A lot, uh, I would say about a quarter of the book is focused on Superflex, but a lot of it's other stuff too. And then I looked at something which was really interesting to me was I wanted to know, right, if I just know nothing about a player other than their draft pedigree and how long they've been in the league, what's that mean for their productivity, Right. Like what's their, you know, I look a lot at, at player profiles over specific players. I want the, I want players that reflect a successful profile. How do I sort of understand what player profiles are? And then once I attach the name to it, I can, I can move a little bit. You know, I can use the information that I have about the player to make a, uh, you know, a more informed judgment, but just know simply what their base rate is, what I call base rates in the book. And so I was able to look at a lot of that. And it's it opens up a lot of opportunities. For instance, like if you look at quarterbacks in the the top ten of the NFL draft who uh, have missed through um, through two years of their career, right? That's a big that that third year is a huge year. Guys entering that year, for example, forty four percent of the time, though they will in their career produce a top twenty four, excuse me, a top twelve seasonal finish. So quarterback one finish. Once the, if they miss in year three, drops to eleven percent, and so Oof. that Sam Darnold Baker Mayfield yeah. profile, super dangerous right now, and so that's I think that information is is really really important. Whereas you compare a guy like Daniel Jones, he is a much more insulated in terms of future production. If he misses this year, he still has basically another year to be um, somewhat safe. 
and sort of how you how you integrate that, how you value that. So, mm. um, so a lot of that stuff. And then also, I looked at it from the other side because a lot of the first book was looking at, you know, average production. Sort of what do you, what should you expect from different you know spots in the draft or different types of players? But I I wanted to in this break it down a little bit more. So once you know a player has hit, what does that mean? And I, so I look at what's called the density of a hit. So for quarterbacks and, and tight ends, I, I use top 12 seasonal finishes. For running backs and wide receivers, I use top 24 seasonal finishes as being the, the threshold for, a, for what I call a starter season. Once a player does that, sort of what trajectory does that put them on? And I call this like the Kenny Galladay role because I was very <laughs> skeptical of Kenny Galladay and then he hit and I said, well, I got to think of him differently, right? And so I wanted to sort of get an idea uh, of how I should think about him in terms of the other players that have gone uh, before him. So all of that is in there. And then there's some, some overarching strategies and different techniques and stuff that I use um, for team building. So yeah, it's, that's pretty much the changes that I made in the book. It's all different content too. It's not just like a textbook re-upping a few different parts and sit calling it a new edition. It's, it's fully new, totally different content. Awesome. There is a ton to break down in what you said there. I, I want to pick. I want to pick out at least one spot here and um, talking about the you know the quarterbacks going into that third year if they haven't hit yet. Uh, do you do you look to then try to take advantage of that like dynasty wise for trade or are you you know what even if I'm looking at it maybe it's time I go ahead and get out if I can if I can get what you classify as fair market value. Let's let's just leave it with Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold there since you brought them up or. Are those two guys that you're trying to acquire or looking to get out of going into this year three? Yeah, so I think the the cost is always key on that, right? Like sure. there are some times where the cost will be, uh, you know, will be different. One, I guess, I guess the the fascinating part for me is I was tracking, um, you know, now as my part of my Patreon package, I have um, I track live startup drafts. So I have like 112 drafts that have gone off in the past, call it eight weeks or so. Um, and so the numbers are always evolving. So I have like this fresh data set uh, to, to always hone in on value um, using actual drafts. And, and uh, so I can sort of see where players are moving around. But when the ADP came out from VLF, like right, I think it was January or whatever, right after the, uh, the season, I noticed that Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones are going right next to each other. And now that has that has opened up a little bit, where Daniel Jones is going ahead of Darnold, uh, and I think that's uh, that's an important thing. I mean, right now in terms of the drafts that I've I've tracked after the NFL draft, so I think it's about forty or so of them. Seven, uh, Darnold's going seventy-one overall, seventy-one and a half, uh, whereas mm-hmm. Daniel Jones is going uh, way ahead of that, up at. Um, uh, 40s, sorry, 50, yeah, in the uh, 49 and a half, yeah. and they were right next to each other. So, and how that, do you feel about that? I think that's right because what where I was pretty, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of Daniel Jones coming in, but mm-hmm. when you put the two of them next to each other, just on a career arc perspective, Daniel Jones is significantly safer. Mm-hmm. And when you, you know, Darnold said it like if Darnold doesn't do it this year. He's at a really, really dangerous precipice in terms of guys that ha- that don't do it after that. Um, you know, like I said, forty-seven percent of guys entering year three who haven't hit that are top ten quarterbacks will hit going forward. 
it's 11% after year four. So that is a, that's a big, big drop. And you just don't want to be, you know, whereas Daniel Jones, he's at a point where 56% of quarterbacks hit. If he misses this year, it drops to 47%, right? That's a lot safer of a profile. And so if you miss on Darnold this year, that's a, that's a, that's a, not a good sign for him going forward. And plus he's bouncing up. One other thing I looked at was, if quarterbacks don't hit, how many NFL starts do they get? Because that's a that's a critical mm-hmm. thing to know. And for him, it's it's uh, for guys in the top ten of the NFL draft, it's uh, just over fifty. So it's about fifty and a quarter starts that you'll get for guys that don't produce a top twenty four season, or excuse me, a top twelve season. It gets significantly more when uh, you know you two three x that once you actually hit. So that is a that's a big mm-hmm. difference in terms of longevity. It's the guys who haven't done it yet and there's correlation there of course between being a successful starter in terms of the what the nfl views and fantasy right i mean it's not it's not they're not looking and saying oh this guy's a top 12 fantasy guy that's but there's a it does correlate in terms of hey on-field production is good enough to keep this person having a job um so i I thought that was pretty notable in terms of the gap that opens up uh after year three so yeah i think daniel jones uh, significantly safer than sam darnold so are we worried about Daniel Jones fumbles? <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I think that's fixable. Um, so is you know, it fixable I, for Chris Carson as well? It should be right. You know um, what I mean though? Like, uh, yeah. And I know well, this is rookie year Carson. and sure. Yeah, exactly. It hasn't hurt Chris Carson in fantasy. It hasn't. Right. And it hasn't hurt him in terms of like, they didn't, they haven't really benched him either, which is, I mean, maybe that's a unique situation. Maybe mm-hmm. that's an outlier. Well, he does it to himself by getting injured every year. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they haven't <laughs> really fair. brought that's anybody fair. in to replace him. I mean, you hear rumors here and there. They talked to Devontae Freeman. Turning down money. Yeah. What a silly boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's for, for Daniel Jones, I think he has to get better at that. But in terms of, of all the ills that you can have as a quarterback, uh, there's a lot worse things that you could do. And he showed a ton of upside last year. Yeah, was, yeah. I mean, he had m- multiple QB one finishes. I Two mean, games with five touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, so this was a, and, and coming into the NFL, right there, that, that pick was widely mocked in terms of, yep. you know, laughed at. Uh, and yeah, he produced a pretty good, a, a pretty good rookie season. Uh, he does have some things he needs to fix. But you look at guys like Daniel Jones, and recently this has happened two years in a row where you get Daniel Jones and Josh Allen, who were widely criticized uh, draft picks for how high they went, where they went. Uh, And as a result, they fell in rookie drafts. Both of those guys ended up being second-round rookie draft picks uh, in terms of what their ADP settled out at. And you're getting that top 10 pedigree, which is just a massive difference. And, Mm -hmm. you know, Daniel Jones going after Dwayne Haskins, like that is just in terms of career arcs of that, that top 10, not top 10. It's just a massive difference in terms of outcomes. So I do like Daniel Jones has been one of the players that I've really come around on through my analysis of watching them. I think you have to be careful about making a huge investment on a quarterback that hasn't done it yet. But in terms of the guys that haven't, Right. I'm pretty bullish on his ability to going forward uh, just because I think he's a safer bet in terms of the next 12 to 18 months than guys like Darnold are. Sure. I hate I hate to stay on these same guys. And then you, and you brought up Haskins. So I'm going to lump him into that group. Uh, you know, we all think Darnold gets shit on kind of because of Gase and, and whatever that offense mm-hmm. does. Mm-hmm. But 
We have Haskins, Daniel Jones, and Baker Mayfield all getting new coaching changes to this year. Do you, do you get any weight into that, or is there a way that you think maybe like do you look into coaching philosophies and strategies and figure out a way to take take advantage of the market there, or does that make you like a guy like Baker Mayfield even less because of what we think is coming into that offense? Yeah, I think that's an individualized thing, right? So I, I do. I am pretty bullish on well, <laughs> with the caveat that I'm skeptical of quarterbacks that don't hit for a top twenty. Uh, that have not hit yet that right that haven't that aren't starters because they're in a significantly different historical outcome range than guys that have hit right once you hit you're sort of on a totally different career arc uh, in terms of longevity in terms of future fantasy success so with the caveat that Baker to hit sorry a, a top 12 seasonal finish okay. I call it a top 12 seasonal finish a hit um and and so that's not to necessarily say that that's a, a that's a success for a player, right? If you only if you draft someone one hundred and one in a super flex draft and they hit once, right? That's not mm-hmm. a successful pick. That's more of a density. That's more of a density question. What about somebody and, like and, Blake Bortles? Yeah, and so like that's that's right. He he did hit, um, and I think he might have hit twice. And, and for fantasy, I mean, he was uber cheap and kind of productive in fantasy for us for a couple of years really nine and 12 two years in a row finish something like that yeah yeah so i mean he was he he actually represents a, a unique profile of the fact that he was a multi-year starter uh, in terms of fantasy starters and then lost his job right that that mm-hmm. historically doesn't really happen that often same thing with Jameis winston right now like J- the fact i mean the, you look at the guys who have thrown i think there's been 11 maybe 12 5,000 yard seasons in NFL history in terms of passers and I mean it's a who's who of Hall of Famers and then it's Matthew Stafford and James Winston right so all the guys that I mean like Stafford like and I'm I'm a Lions fan I'm I'm in Michigan Jordan but but Stafford like as much as I like him a lot more than Winston is constantly playing from behind and that's where and he he pulls himself out and the fourth quarter Winston is has one of the he has the worst record of anybody playing in the NFL for probably the last 20 years like his win-loss record he's constantly playing from behind throwing interceptions you're that's gonna happen so we end up falling in love in a way for fantasy but Jameis Winston isn't helping an NFL team enough to keep that job Stafford's not playing behind because of his play. Jameis is, though. I think that's sure. Yeah, sure, sure, that, sure. That's sure. True. I don't compare that, them, but I mean, it's true. just like you, 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 like Dak last year. I, I think that he's, I'm not saying Dak sucks, but Dak was playing from behind last year a lot, like more than he's used to. And Dak had to air it out a little bit more. He had weapons. If they're back in the game a little bit, you have to think Zeke gets a little bit of a uptick and. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. So Winston, I think, sucks, I guess is what I'm saying. In- <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm Good sort point. of with you on the criticisms of Winston. So I'll say I'll say this. Like, I, I think Winston doesn't help himself. But the last three years, 7.9 yards per attempt, 7.9 yards per attempt, 8.2 yards per attempt. Like, yeah, there's interceptions in there. Um, but, I mean, last – like la- the two years prior to it, I mean, he had 11 interceptions in 2017, 14 uh, in 2018, and then it goes up. It, it basically doubles, uh, more than doubles, going up to 30. Uh, a lot of that is, uh, you know, more attempts. Um, his rate went up, right? But 
Find I, me I would, any historical NFL quarterback who's had less inter, or more interceptions in a five-year span. Any five-year span you want to take than Winston. Find me any NFL quarterback that's had more interceptions in five years. Yeah, is there one? Like, do you know that? No, there, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I, I've, I've tried to look. You know, like just kind of messing around with it. I can't find anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. I'm not, I'm not in like, I mean, that's probably why we're here, where we are with him, right? That, that Mm -hmm. he lost his job. I do think there's, Mm -hmm. I do think he represents an interesting buy candidate because you don't get at, at, at a cheap price, guys that can throw 5,000 yards, guys that can, uh, you know, that have a career 7.7 yards per attempt or, you know, can produce eight point. Uh, two yards per attempt in a season, right? That's a that's a rare thing to have at a at a at a cheap price, right? So in terms of I where sold he's him. Um, I sold him for, and this is super flex. I sold him for a two twelve Jordan Howard and a better quarterback in Kyle Allen. Winston, you sold for that? Yeah, and I don't even um, own Haskins, but the, he had Kyle Allen, and I thought, eh, maybe he starts, maybe Winston starts. They're both backups. I got Jordan Howard and. 212 I think with 212 I used it on um Joshua Kelly or Zach Moss I forget who fell to me there I'd have to look but and I know it was one of those guys I'm pretty sure it was Kelly so Kelly yeah uh, Jordan Howard and Kyle Allen and I'm I'm fine yeah I, personally yeah it's interesting because if you look like post NFL draft he's going uh, right behind Jalen Hurts right uh Jameis is going 145 uh, Jalen Hurts is going like 141 in terms of the quarterbacks. Um, you know, that's to me. I, I think Winston's a, a much clearer case in terms of the fact that he can be a starter. I'm not sure that Hurts, right? I'm not sure we know what Hurts can be in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if it's Jameis, isn't like a great NFL starter. Like he's a a, a very good fantasy starter, right? Sure, yeah, absolutely. So I think that that dichotomy is a little bit different. You have to, I think, you have to balance the two of them in terms of how safe that profile is, right? That they're a little bit different of a conversation. Um, and you know, and and honestly, like the you know, people joke about Jameis, but the the eye surgery thing, I think, is not. I do think that there's probably something to that in terms of improving his vision. So, you know, we'll see. He gets in a better situation. His eyes were so bad that he couldn't see people running. I agree. (laughs) Yeah, that's always the thing. Like, was his eyesight like 2060 and he just got it corrected? Or was it like 2800 and he probably shouldn't have been driving to the stadium? Like, (laughs) there's a huge difference there. And I I don't Maybe that's too personal of a medical question for anybody to find out. But (laughs) that's an interesting one. Uh, I'm looking at your your uh, table of contents here, and the, uh, obviously an interesting one that pops up. And and you mentioned uh, um, Dak a second ago, but you have a uh, draft pedigree outliers, and you have Prescott Cousins and even Minshew listed here. Um, yep. Is there a reason you think behind those guys popping? I mean, even Cousins was he was the second quarterback drafted by that team. You know, behind RG three that year, Dak and, and Gardner obviously taken later. And and are you? Do you feel like there's any guys maybe even this year that that could fit that bill if if things go their way? Yeah, so I I think it's it's pretty funny because I think Dak Prescott for essentially everything that I have in the book, um, he he is almost an example for every single thing in terms of the quarterback <laughs> position. He's like the 
you know, they say you can about President Grant, like you can use almost any example uh, of of anything and he fits it. Um, Dak Prescott is kind of that uh, for, for my book. Prescott, like the, the, the fact that I'll just say the fact that Kirk Cousins is a successful NFL quarterback is astonishing, given where he came from in the beginning of his career. Mm-hmm. Um, Dak Prescott, essentially everything it went right. And, and what I guess the point about this, this portion of the book is, is don't bet on these guys, right? Once they do it, right, they move, like I said earlier, they go into a different, they go into mm-hmm. a different band. That's a totally different career arc. But Minshew is a great example of what happens to day three quarterbacks, right? Like you can be great. You can do all of this. You can do all of this, uh, you know, good, good, positive buzz about you. You know, you're, you're flashy, right? You're, you're producing decently for a rookie and you still get benched for Nick Foles, right? Mm -hmm. Kirk um, uh, Gardner Minshew start to the season, right? After, after uh, Foles got injured, he was in that stretch. I think it was what seven or eight games. He was uh, better. Uh, he was almost across the board better than the career averages of Nick Foles. Yeah, right. You're talking about a day three quarterback as a rookie coming in without a great supporting cast is better across the board than what absolutely Foles has done. He still threw he for more yards than job. Nick Foles has in any season of his career. Not even having the still, entire season. And he still lost his job. Yep. Right. So that's the part that that's the part that's really tough is that these guys just don't get a, a long road. And and I think when you look at Dak, right, everything everything aligned for Dak Prescott. Essentially everything aligned. Right. He he had an, he got drafted to uh, a situation where they he was going to fight for a backup job, and then the st- the starter who was the face of the franchise who had been pretty good. Uh, gets hurt, you know, in August, right? So they can't they can't figure out a way to fix the position. They go with Dak Prescott. He has a good preseason, uh, and you know when he gets he basically gets an eight week stretch. Um, he was very good, right? He averaged over eight yards per attempt. It was a fourteen to two touchdown interception ratio, uh, and you know was was he added four rushing touchdowns, right? He threw for two hundred and sixty yards per game during that stretch. So good, not great. Right. But they uh, performed really well, right? Like they were eight and one with Dak Prescott starting to begin that season. It in realistically, they should have been something more like, um, you know, based on their, their record and their, their points scored and points given up, they should have been something closer to six and three, Hmm. right? They got, they got on the positive side of, of the luck. Mm-hmm. Um, which is good, right? But that's just the reality of what happened. He basically got lucky in every sense, and he performed well when it happened, right? It's just a very, very narrow road for those guys to get to. And you see what happens when you don't basically roll snake eyes is what happened with Gardner Minshew. And he gets benched, and then you know he gets his job back, and now he's a starter. And, you know, We'll sort of see how it goes, but I just think there it's a – betting on a day three guy is a super rare thing to have happen. Cousins is even more interesting because he, he's basically the third quarterback on that team. Everyone else gets hurt. He comes in and is essentially horrible through the first, like, you know, call it 10 starts of his career. And, but because they're so dysfunctional, he just can gets the opportunity to, to work it out. And then has two great years and signs a big free agent deal. Like, 
the fact that Kirk Cousins, based on how he performed to start his career, like the fact that he's a starting NFL quarterback, it's pretty wild. I mean, he, his, uh, you know, in his first uh, nine starts, right, over the first nine, uh, the first 14 games of his career, and it was nine starts in there, uh, 18 touchdowns, 19 interceptions, 7.4 yards per attempt. So pretty bad in terms of all of that. But still, they were just so two and seven, right? Like they weren't, he wasn't good. He was basically the anti Dak, but because they were so dysfunctional, he got the opportunity. I just think that's something you should never bet on happening. He's like the only time that that's happened. So it's just rare for these guys from day three to actually get home to be starters. Uh, you know, I don't think Minshew's, I think Minshew's price right now is reflecting that. He's not going that expensively. Um, but if he were to sort of see an uptick in cost, I would bet against it. Hmm. So so, how do you feel about so you you think Gardner eventually loses that job or can still win it this year? Um, that's something. I mean, even two drink you were talking about the last time we got together for super flexible is that even with Drew Locke and Gardner Minshew, the draft capital and the investment they have in him isn't that much to move on. Like, sure they're getting a chance this year, but will they prove it? Um, you mentioned how Gardner, quickly will be teams be to to move on from them if it doesn't happen? Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, you mentioned Gardner outplaying Foles essentially like his career almost in, in a sense, but Nick Foles has still managed to bounce around the NFL and make money. And I know he's never given us much hope, but somebody sees something. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think he's a good example of like if you have baseline competency, that's a rare trait. <laughs> There's just not that many guys that, that can play at a competent level. Um, in terms of foals, I'll say this about Minshew, right? He's going, I have him about one Oh four and a half in terms of his, his, where his draft position is post NFL draft. Um, you know, they're, they're the team that's projected to have the lowest that Vegas thinks is going to have the lowest, uh, win Mm -hmm. total in terms of over under. So he has to massively outproduce expectations to not be, uh, lose his job next year to Trevor Lawrence or, Mm fields or someone at the top of the draft right that's sort of what you're staring down the barrel of um and so you have to be careful with that uh as a as a profile um yeah and i just it's rare to see these guys happen same thing with drew Locke too like they did a really good job of putting weapons around him i'm not sure they're putting weapons around him though right they might be putting weapons they're putting weapons in an offense that that if it's not him this year you look at the starts that guy get It's it's about twenty. Two right? drinks got essentially with two the drinks got uh, Aaron Rodgers going there next year. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and he's he's a he's an interesting one in this case too because I th- I think he has some longevity to his career that he's just not getting a ton of credit for right now because of the Jordan Love stuff and I think the analytics community is pretty sour on him in terms of some of his his stats but just from I mean just continuing on his career his career path. But if he's um, right, imagine those weapons that he'd have around him if he went to Denver next year. Yeah, Finally totally. have more than one receiver to throw to. Jesus. <laughs> so can I go back to Kirk Cousins super, super quick? Mm-hmm. And, and Two Drink, yeah. I know you're all about him, and I, I don't want to show too much love to gross things, but there's a good you chance that Kirk Cousins could have a career year because they suck so much and he's airing it out with how much worse that defense got last year. And that could affect their run game. Uh, I don't know. I'm kind of the fans game moving on. I know Zimmerman still wants to run a ton, but uh, 
Well, yeah, 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 but I mean, but not being there, yeah, are they going to chuck it around? They they lost their whole defense practically. What is it since Cousins be, actually became starter like in the NFL? He's never finished uh, worse than like QB fifteen for the year. Yeah, yet yet he gets yeah. drafted like. And, and I don't own a, a share. Three, like you, like, you <laughs> like know 20s. very well to drink that this is not my guy. But you start to look yeah, at the situation, I and I don't think they're going to win a lot of games. I don't want him as my QB one for fantasy. Like I'd feel much safer as the two, you know, and, and I have probably three. So I'm looking for matchups, but yeah, you, that's a high end QB two for super flex. That's what we're playing here. So I'll take it at any kind of discount. Somebody wants to give it to me for. He's a, he's a great super flex quarterback. Yeah. In terms of his career arc now, like see again, this is the difference between pre hit and post hit right now that he is hit. Um, and sort of a lot of the, you know, and I, I lay it out fully in the Superflex chapter about what, what the metrics are you really should look for uh, in terms of of guys that are hits um, and and that are actually, you know, strongly on the positive track and guys that represent dangerous profiles. And I'll just say guys that the people are, uh, the, that the market is super bullish on, that's super, you know, optimistic about that I'm, a little bit more tepid on is mm-hmm. Kyler Murray because Ky- listen, Kyler Murray had a good rookie season. He's not there yet. And we're doing this Baker Mayfield thing again, right? Where, where he's going, what, you know, first round of startup drafts. I, uh, that's something you have to be very careful about historically. But, very, but very Baker didn't about. finish QB seven. No, but there's a difference between like QB seven doesn't get you all the way there yet. And, right. and I do that, hear you, but but that did happen, and so he did finish his rookie year at QB one, and he didn't even—I mean, it wasn't even that beautiful actually. And then you add in Nuck, and um, I do hear you. Like you should have caution in the air about the situation, but I don't know. I I, I have a hard time like comparing them, and I know the hype that you're talking about, but I feel like Kyler did better and even just for fantasy i think that kyler because of that offense will will help us a little bit more uh, yeah I, listen i i think that i like the offense like and this isn't an anti-kyler murray take that this isn't that's not what i'm what i'm saying i'm just saying that the the hit rate on the one hit wonder rate at quarterback is really high mm-hmm. and if you you have to be careful and i sort of lay it out in and in detail in the book about how to sort of avoid it. Um, but you have to be careful about, about it in in terms of, you know, the guys that hit 50% of them hit either once or twice, right? Once you get, um, you know, for first round guys, once you sort of get beyond that, the longevity is pretty, pretty dense and there's a lot of it, but there's risk there. You know, half the guys that hit, um, it's either that year or one more and that's it. And so, you know, do we think Kyler's on a on a much better track? Yes, I do. Uh, but I mean, going ahead of, you know, who's he going ahead of, right? And just look at the look at the risk you're. I taking. mean, probably he's there's probably three to four quarterbacks in front of him. I can probably answer that better than I mean, he's going ahead of a lot of quarterbacks. To your he's, point, he, in in post draft, he's he's quarterback three, six point eight yeah. in terms of his ADP. And that's going ahead of Deshaun Watson. That's going ahead of Dak Prescott, which I think is just insanity. Um, and you know, going ahead of Russell Wilson, right? Like, uh, listen, does he have higher upside? I mean, I don't know. Dak Prescott's team led the 
NFL in total offense last year. So we can talk about upside. I think he's got as much, I think he's got as much upside as anybody. And I have him in my dynasty rankings over at football guys. I have Dak Prescott as quarterback too. So, you know, I, I just sort of look at these and I just, you have to be pretty skeptical about, about the cost that you're paying. Not that I don't love Kyler's profile, but you have to be really cautious about taking that risk in the first round of a startup draft. Yeah. I'm assuming Mahomes is one for you in that situation. Mahomes is, is one, two. and I have Dak Prescott as two. Why? Why so confident in Dak at that point? Who like you just believe that the deal will happen? You don't believe in Lamar? I assume most people have Lamar Jackson as QB two at this point. Uh, I'm not dis- I'm not necessarily disagreeing with you here. That's just an interesting take. I don't hear many people have. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty much on a on a limb. I think with it. Uh, Dex, so I like it. It's, at, it's, it's interesting for sure. If you look at if you look at Lamar Jackson's stats last year, essentially what happened was um, almost almost entirely you can explain his entire season by his touchdown rate. Eight point nine percent of his uh, of his passing attempts went for touchdowns, which is a you know not to get all math geeky and nerdy here, but that's like three standard deviations outside the average, and what that means is it's not repeatable, and so. You just you look at that that stat, and it's just something you just don't bet on happening again. Now, does that mean he's going to suck? No. Does that mean he's going to you know fall off the face of the earth? No. But we're playing a game of future production, right? We're playing a game that that we're trying mm-hmm. to figure out future production. And if you make a bet, a really high bet on a quarterback to repeat what they did last year, on when it, on nine percent of their attempts were touchdowns. That's a massive, massive. Uh, that's a massive risk. Mm-hmm. So uh, what I'll say is, I, I Dak Prescott, right? If you if you took Dak Prescott had a had a very average, you know, he threw about five percent of his touchdown, five uh, percent of his passes went for touchdowns, which is a little bit over average, but that's like firmly within the range of what you could expect someone to keep continue doing, um, because it's a very fluky stat year over year. If you took the two of them and reversed them, okay, Lamar Jackson outscored Dak Prescott by 58 points last year, thereabouts. Um, if you took their, their touchdown rates and just reversed them, Dak Prescott would have outscored Lamar Jackson by 200 points. And you're talking about a stat that's very fluky year over year. Dak Prescott mm-hmm. threw for 4,900 yards, 30 touchdowns, again, 8.2 yards per attempt. I just, I look at, Lamar Jackson and I just think it like I, I like the player don't get me wrong but the cost is it's baking in all of all of last year's upside which I just do not think is repeatable and Dak Prescott's profile is as sturdy as you'll find and that's essentially it I mean I, I would have I, I would have a hard time putting I think I think Deshaun Watson has a pretty good case over Lamar Jackson as well in terms of uh, in terms of super flex rankings as well so nice how um how far does Lamar go down for you then? Like I, I know you said, you know Deshaun Watson has a case right now listed. Do you have it listed that way? Is Lamar three and like we're I'm drawing I'm pulling at hairs here or? Um, I have so I have him at four. No, I have um so I have Mahomes at one. I'm just pulling it up. Mahomes yeah. at one. Prescott at two. Watson at three. Uh, Lamar Jackson at four. Okay. Um, and then I have Russell Wilson five. Nice. I could make I could make an argument. Uh, you know, I wasn't trying to be like super. Uh, I believe in this stuff, and that's sort of how I would sure. act on it. Yeah, um, I, 
I, I think there's a reasonable argument to take Russell Wilson over, over Lamar Jackson too. Um, so I, I, I just think it. in terms I'm of, in terms this. of safety, it's close to yeah. hate, not, but, but I mean, your, your reasoning is so solid. Like you're not just sense. like, yeah, absolutely. I posted when, and the funny part about it is, is I posted a, mm-hmm. and this is like, I, I wrote a ton about this in like, about this in the book about these non-repeatable stats and stuff that you should just bet against happening and sort of and you know a lot of the biases that happen and all of the stuff that i wrote about it in the book but i after the season i i sort of like looked at the stats and i said man Dak prescott's like got as much upside as anyone does at quarterback um, and you add into that cd lamb right you you have arguably the best set of you had arguably the best offense in football last year. They led the league in total offense last year and you add into that CD lamb mm-hmm. and take out, honestly, like I like Jason Witten, but you take out, you add CD lambs upside to the targets that, that Jason Witten was getting. And it's a net positive on the offense. And Cobb know, had what? 800 yards anyway. So you can't tell me CD can't get at least that. Right. Right. And, and maybe it becomes a little bit more of, uh, you know, it becomes more of a pass funnel through four or five guys instead of you know a little mm-hmm. bit more than that what it was last year. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just I look at I look at Dak Prescott and I just think that he has as as much upside in in terms of uh, producing a huge season and, and producing a huge ceiling, and his floor is really secure. I think this contract thing gets settled, um, and if the, he wants if a Dallas lot doesn't do of it, money they're going to pay him like the, you have to, right? Like he will get, he's going to be a starter. Like he's not, Andy going Dalton. Anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah. and yeah, he's, he's not, I think the contract it's, we don't have anything to do. So that's what we're talking about. 45 million gotcha. in that last year though. That's a lot. It won't be, but like all, all those contracts, yeah, all yeah, those yeah, yeah, contracts look, look ridiculous when they, when they're signed. And then yeah. by the time it's like year four, everyone's yeah. like, Oh, I got to renegotiate cause I'm underpaid. Like it's the, the with the TV deal that's going to get signed, mm-hmm. like Dak Prescott's going to look cheap by the end of by the end of his contract. Yeah, mm. man. Um, I want. I'd like to hit at least one more one more on the table of contents here, and it's yeah. it's a little different than we've been talking here, um, uh, but more into startup drafts since you were bringing that up, and you have all that data. The the value of future picks in the startup. And, and obviously, we're going to keep it to Superflex, which hopefully that means they hold a little bit more weight. Um, do you do you look to do that in startups? Are you, are you good with trading away futures to, to get vets and, and maybe the 2020 rookies right now, depending on, I guess now at this point, they'll be in, they'll be in all your startups. You're not going to draft rookie picks at this point, I'm assuming. But is that something you're like, no, I'll go ahead and take what is proven now and, and punt the future? Yeah, so I think that's a pretty fraught strategy, honestly. Um, and so what I looked at was because I thought, right, this is an, an age-old debate. So I said, let's figure out a way to to look at it, right? Let's figure out a way to actually to measure it. And so I I only have enough data to feel comfortable making like these analysis on start one. Um, you know, hopefully with another mm-hmm. year or two of superflex data, we'll be able to do um, get a much better. Uh, valuation in terms of of picks and you get some more data in terms of how these uh you know how how picks should be treated in terms of quarterbacks and all this stuff right but so i i just did some uh, just a study in terms of start one and just i wanted to look at like random pick like the the value of a random pick and so uh, like a random future first 
And so I put it on Twitter and you know, 56% of people said it fell between pick six and seven, which would be exactly in the middle of the round. But when you actually look at it, what happens is, is it's not a straight line, right? It's not a, the, the value of these picks in terms of, you know, I have a metric called wins over replacement, which, which measures essentially how, how many fantasy games a player will add, how many win, fantasy wins a player will add to your team. And, and when you look at that, uh, you you see that it's not a straight line, right? So the difference between two and three or one and two is a lot different than the difference at 11 and 12, right? 11 and 12 are really close, but the difference, the gap between one and two is pretty massive. And that shows up, right? Like what was the difference between Zeke and whoever the 102 was in that class, right? It, the trade to do that was massive. Um, Barkley, the same thing, right? There was a huge gap there. You see these gaps. Um, and so the picks actually are undervalued because the, the average valuation is much closer to 105, right? So, so those, so the random picks in terms of what they actually add to you are undervalued in terms of what the, what the, what the uh, they will actually provide and then i looked at i had a startup draft uh, and i i just went ahead to everyone in the league after the draft and i said tell me what your odds you think your odds are to win the league and i got 10 estimates back and the average team estimated their <laughs> chance to win the league at 22.6 percent okay so when you extrapolate that out um and sort of give the two teams that didn't show up the average uh, it ended up being a total of 271% was the estimate. Now, there's only one dynasty championship, so that number is 100%. Right? right there will right. be one given up. It's 2.7 times uh, higher right? in terms of estimated total. Did anybody so say 100% is, or what was uh, the someone highest? Says, two people said 65%. Okay. Um, so, uh, it's still pretty ballsy in like a 12-man league like with all the things to go yeah, down, but I like the it confidence. Is, it is. It totally is. It totally is. Um, so what you're seeing is a people are un, are overestimating their likelihood of the pick, right? Because an average, right? If you were just to randomly draw, you would win eight percent of the time. Twelve, uh, you know, one out of every twelve times, um, a little bit more than eight percent. Um, and you just see, like, I did a lot of these things. Like, you just see people overestimate their odds to win a championship. And then what what actually happens is is when you when you look in and I looked at a whole bunch of drafts from last year. And I said, I'm just going to categorize teams into three different types of teams. Either you're neutral, right? You have a first round pick for next year. You're uh, in surplus, which means that you have additional picks for next year, or you're in debt, which means you don't have any future first round picks, right? I just measured first round picks. So I had 24% of teams were in debt. 15% of teams were actually in surplus and 61% of teams were in, uh, were just neutral. What you found, what I found was super interesting was the teams that were in debt made the playoffs 56.9% of the time. So more than half, which is pretty good. The teams that are in surplus made it 30.4% of the time, which is, we can talk about that in a second. The, the interesting thing, the teams that were neutral, 52.2% of the time. So what you can draw from that is trading a future first only improves your odds of making the playoffs 4.7%. Right. And when you Ooh. think about that, it, that people, that's a, that's a really shocking statistic to people because they think it's a lot higher, right? You, you think it's a lot higher. And I, I put that out 
I put out a stat that, and I said, you know, if you trade away your uh, a tweet, if you trade away your future first in a startup, how does that, how does it improve your odds to make the playoffs in year one compared to if you didn't trade it away, right? Just to see what people thought about that. Uh, you know, the the twenty eight percent, so over a quarter of people thought it improved it by fifteen percent. Right. Another 15 percent thought it was between, you know, basically was double what it was. Right. So you're seeing people way overestimating that. So I think there's value in terms of a the picks more valuable than people give it perception for people overestimate how late in the draft their pick is going to be. And they overestimate how much uh, trading for trading away that pick will get them in year one. So generally speaking, I don't, I'm not in the business of trading away. Now it's in a neutral class, right? It's a little bit different if you say, Hey, I don't think 2021 is going to be that good of a class, right? You can sort of go down that road. I just sort of come at it from a, you know, here's in a neutral setting. Here's sort of what you think. And then go from there. With, um, with COVID and all this going on and still the somewhat uncertainty of, of how a, the NFL is going to play out and be, what college football is going to do is our 2021 picks something you're willing to part with now to, to get the known rather than figure out and just fingers crossed that it's a normal season and, and everything's kind of back to per use, you know, once we get there, do you, are, you know, do you want to take advantage maybe of that market and, and knowing that to move the first this year in particular, not necessarily when you're looking at it, you know, from, from years past. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, I don't think there's a uh, necessarily a right answer on this. I mean, you got to pick um, where do, you where you are on the COVID side, I guess, and how the season yeah. turns out. Like, so you're going to bet against or for that in a certain way, but yes, and and honestly, I I think people are underdoing this. Um, and you know, everything's all COVID all the time. Any conversation that's had about anything is is revolved around this right now, just because it's so consuming. But. I put out some. Uh, I just put out a thing on Twitter just to see how people, what people thought, and you know, more more than three out of four people said that COVID nineteen wasn't changing their strategy. Right. Which I think's a bad, bad. I think that's. I think that's. It, it should, and it should for a couple of reasons, right? Exactly what you said. And as we were talking, I got a news update to my phone that was it, the headline literally reads: Mike Tomlin has quote big time concerns about rookie readiness. That's this year, right? right? Yeah. So that is that is that's one thing, I, but on top of that, in terms of just strategy, there's there's two major impacts I think that we could see. Number one is we don't have players from last year. Uh, I guess there's really three. The one there's an injury risk out of all of this, right? That people are you know sitting home, they're not training, they come back. You know, we know that at the beginning of training camp, there's a high risk of injuries, whether it's hamstrings or ACLs or all of those things because they're conditioning injuries, right? So that's that's one question. The the second thing is you see that you see players have um, you know developmental arcs, right? And I think a lot about like Daryl Henderson from last year. Daryl Henderson struggled uh, to transition to the NFL. And then he goes home after the season. Now, granted, they they um, drafted Cam Akers, so this sort of messes up my thing a little bit. But they, you know, to expect people were expecting him to take this big jump forward when they traded when they got rid of Gurley. Mm-hmm. And my concern was, well, he already didn't transition well to the NFL. Now he's going to spend eight months at home. We're going to have no idea about his transition to the NFL in terms of mm-hmm. whether he wasn't picking up the playbook or any of that stuff. Uh, we're not going to have any idea of that until August at the earliest. And so, and then they drafted acres. I think that's probably telling uh, to that, but,
But the third thing I think is is what happens if Patrick Mahomes or insert player X gets COVID nineteen, mm-hmm. and how you react to that or how you sort of build around that possibility, right? There's always a chance that your quarterback's going to get hurt or your, your running back or, you know, whoever's going to get hurt. There's always a risk of that. I think this year for all of the reasons I said, plus the fact that one of these guys picks this up, they already had, uh, you know, I listened to, I think it was uh, Dr. Fauci was on Peter King's podcast and they said, uh, the once you test positive, basically you have to quarantine for 14 days would be the only way that the NFL could really operate a system like this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're going to test people on either the Saturday, uh, you know, if you have a game on Sunday, they're going to test you on Saturday night or Sunday morning. If you test positive, that means you're missing that game. You're missing the next week and you're missing the next week too, because you can't retest for another 14 days. And that's assuming you're not symptomatic at the end of that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, and then, but then you hear people and, you know, these guys are well conditioned, all of that stuff, you know, maybe the risk is a little bit lower, but you hear people that it's, you know, 30, 40, 50 days until they, they test clear. The, the impact of that for fantasy uh, is, is you have to have a strategy in place about how to deal with this, right? Whether that's, you know, targeting specific backups or, or having flexibility in terms of you know, having some future picks to deal with. I think that might not be a bad approach, right? Maybe not necessarily sell 2021 20, picks right now, but have, you know, have some flexibility, right? If you have players that you're skeptical about this year, get the pick liquidity, right? Because then you can make a move, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then you sort of have it in your back pocket and say, hey, listen, if, if player X goes down or if I'm sort of hampered by injuries, but I, I'm still a good team, at least I have the capital to fix it. Right. I think that's that's really the avenue which I'm going down is sort of to to pare down players that I'm skeptical about long term, get that pick flexibility just so I have it in my wallet and I can spend it in season if I need to. So one more right. reason to not neglect the super flexible quarterback position and and have some damn quarterbacks on your team. Well, and like we had in the last show, you know, maybe uh, look at some of those backups that yeah. you're not thinking about. Maybe makes those guys even more important, dude. Uh, we were, obviously, we it's were worst just case scenario. It. There were so many quarterbacks I thought of like the next couple After, days afterwards. Yeah, I'm like, sure. man, why don't we say this guy, this guy, this guy? But so just, many. just like, what was it last year? Like 50 quarterbacks. It was something right. like 50 quarterbacks starting the NFL last year. Yeah, yeah that's crazy. Sure. I mean. That, that number, right? and when we think about that, like the, who was rostering some of these guys, right? Like it just wasn't, um, you know, the, the there were guys available on on waiver wires. But I think being very, you know, very in tune with that, and I think from the back end of your roster too, right? This all starts from you want to have an efficient roster. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that I really avoid in that is developmental wide receivers, right? Because developmental wide receivers will be developing until they're out of the league right that's just that's the the hit rate on them is really low so sort of get out of that business and get to something that can be much more uh helpful which is either have a backup running back or a backup quarterback right or or have something that can that you know or if that player has value get the pick right and then you open up that roster spot Mm -hmm. doing all of those things i think gets gets you the opportunity to have to be more resilient in what I think is going to be a, a tumultuous season. I've been trying to pick up Nick Mullins shares. Yes, I love Nick Mullins. <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. Love that dude. Don't I joked last that, year that uh, he was the you know the, that San Francisco made it all the way to the Super Bowl starting their second best quarterback. It was a really <laughs> impressive. <accomplishment. laughs> Dang. 
Man, I feel like we could talk for a long time and and pick your brain on a lot more of this, but I just want to put it out there. Uh, Analytics of Dynasty 2020, pull that up, and you'll see a little Superflex pod, a little link off to the side. You should hit that. There's tons more information on this table of contents. Mm -hmm. Um, Man. I, I like the Lamar Jackson hate. If you guys take nothing else out of this, <laughs> yeah. it's not that I hate him. I just I don't love the safety of it. I don't hate him. I just love him way less than everybody else. Fair. <laughs> yeah, definitely a lot of work put into this. So like, you need to check this out. Um, I, so Ags, I don't know if you brought any trades to the table, but I would like to jump in and get one. Um, I'm not going to tell Jordan which side we're on, but this is a trade that you and I made last week. Oh no. Uh, um well and yeah yeah i like it and even this one seemed to shock the league a little bit they seemed indifferent right so well and after he picks we can qualify each side too i think a little bit with team build but i just i just like to put it out there it's a 12 team super flex full ppr there is no carry bonus i just looked because i thought there was there is not on one side is dwayne haskins and cam Akers, who you just brought up recently on the other side is jared goff damian harris and a 2021 first round pick no pressure to pick the correct side here since one of us will win this and the other will be crying. Um, I guess my instant take is I think it's pretty fair. Um, Which I also believe to be true. But Yeah, I, I, I think Goff is sort of in that conversation like we were having earlier with, um, you know, Kirk Cousins and Stafford about guys that are on the right side of career arc that are sure, right yeah, now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm a big I'm a big fan of his in terms of Superflex. Like he's one of the quarterbacks that I'm really buying right now, uh, and he had a low touchdown rate, right? So sort of mm-hmm. continuing that conversation, he's a guy that you should expect to bounce back. And I like Damian Harris a lot. Um, Dwayne Haskins, I think, is a little bit more. You know, I think Dwayne Haskins is is a little bit more dangerous in terms of the quarterback profile. Sure. Um, so that's you know I think that's uh, Haskins is like. A, a lot safer than that than him um and you know i like acres right so i think there's there's players on both sides um i'd probably in super flex i'd probably in a neutral construct take the golf side um but i i wouldn't you know, i don't have a problem with either side of it and you know golf and acres are going within shouting distance of one another um so if you sort of take harris and the 2020 first excuse me, the 2021 first and say, how does that stack up with Haskins? Right. I'd probably rather have the pick side of that. And I Mm -hmm. think, uh, and I think, um, I think Harris is basically a kicker. So I can see both sides of it. I'd probably take the golf side, just going down that math. So I'm on the acres side and um, I I agree with you completely. So, but for a little bit of context, I'm starting um, Watson and Kyler Murray and then I have I had Gardner and Goff on my bench. So and he was starting Haskins and Mahomes. Is that right? Mahomes, Carr, and Haskins. So Carr. Goff immediately moves into my QB two on my starting yes. roster, which which I loved. And, I hate getting rid of Acres. And I wanted to um, add a running sure. back. And you I, always and want I to still got a quarterback back. You always want to add a running back, regardless. But yes. Um, so my play is probably that. still to move on from Haskins at some point and have. Um, Watson, Murray, and Gardner. Well, don't do you have Kyle Allen in that league too? Yeah, I, like, I do. Yeah. So you at least you have the Redskins locked up. Yep. Um, which which I like in Superflex, even though you don't necessarily need it with with the quarterbacks that you you went for. But um, it was yeah. funny because I sent the deal out, and then 
Um, I could tell that you felt like you were winning it because you were like, hey, woke up, saw this deal. And I'm just like, what was it? Like, yeah, accept it, you know, right. if you want to. Yeah. I looked at it and I was like, hmm. Because, yeah, I looked, I think you had sent it at like midnight or something. Oh, like, it was COVID a super trades late are trade. the worst, man. <laughs> right? I always send out a couple of trades after everybody's sleeping. And yeah. And I woke up to that and I was like, huh. I don't want to get rid of Acres, but I feel like it's better for my team getting that quarterback and and needing to put golf and you being have a able first to put for golf next in, year and an extra first for next year. Um, yeah, I don't know. It it wasn't the easiest. I only increased even my chances I like of I winning by four <laughs> percent. <laughs> it's a one hundred and five is in the middle, but I would say both of our teams are are fairly strong. When I look at other teams in the league, but that's easy to say. It's only June. I mean May. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's. Uh, I'm glad he picked my side. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I, but I, like I said, I think if you're, it makes sense for both teams. I feel like, and it, if that's, you're dealing that's for strength at quarterback, this is the type of trade you can make. Right. Yes, I mean, that's, yep. that's really. I think the. This is a good example of how important roster construction is to you yes. know is to making trades. When I pulled, yeah. you know, I drafted Mahomes 101 in this startup, so I felt like I necessarily wasn't going to punt QB, but knew I could wait, and then just I just grabbed a couple. I have Nick Foles on that team as well, but um, yeah, staring at Haskins and Derek Carr doesn't make me feel great, and to be able to see Goff come across, I was like, yeah, pretty much need to do that and figure out RB2, you know, somewhere else. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not thrilled about having Akers as my RB2 on that team. Now it's even worse, but... <laughs> I got some time to figure it out. Jordan, thanks a ton for coming on and all the hard work you've put into this book and everything you do, man. Can you tell them everywhere to find you and anything else you want to push on the way out? Feel free. Yeah, so you can go find the book at analyticsofdynasty.com slash shop. There's the uh, product for you guys. So, again, password Superflex, capital S, um, Superflex, all one word. Uh, so you can use that, get twenty, get $5 off. It'll, the book's 25 bucks, and a portion of it's going to go to COVID relief. Uh, and then I, uh, you can find me on Twitter at McNamara Dynasty. You can go over to the, the my patron site, patreon.com slash analytics of Dynasty. Some of the data that I was talking about in terms of the real startup draft data uh, that I'm tracking, I have uh, I have that as part of a data package. Um, you know, I've got some tier stuff over there. I've got my rookie board. Um, you know, I've got some some different data ideas going there uh, in terms of stuff that you can use and, and, and tracking your drafts and, and different ways to do it. I do four or five podcasts a week, so you can get all of that over at the Patreon experience um, and go ahead and check out the football guys dynasty show. So yeah, we record every definitely. Tuesday night and check that out. Awesome. Any, uh, any late round rookies quarterback and other position wise uh, you find yourself gravitating towards, you know, third and fourth round. Third and fourth round. Um, I like Darrington Evans and Lynn Bowden as third round guys. That yes. uh, I think that's really interesting from a day two perspective. Um, I have a ton of KJ Hamler just because he's basically ends up being the last like day two wide receiver off the board. I think it's interesting. Um, Is there enough yeah, mouths to feed there? Yeah, I don't know how it's going to turn out. Again, that's just sort of like a longer term mm-hmm. uh, investment. It's just on the pedigree, um, but that would be yeah, just essentially just a pedigree grab at that point. Um, yeah, so I think that's those guys. I mean, I'm big on AJ Dillon this year. AJ Dillon's my guy. Nice. Hug that out. I am at underscore swag. He is at FL2 Drink Minimum. This is at Superflex. A bold podcast at Superflex Pod. 
on Twitter. I'm throwing a trade. Barkley or Jonathan Taylor, Todd Gurley, and Brandon Ayuk? Say that one again. Sorry, I missed the, I missed the start. Barkley or Jonathan Taylor with Gurley and Brandon Ayuk? Wow. Taylor, Gurley, and Ayuk. Um, man. <laughs> uh, I Can do I like Ayuk. Say, oh, man, that's tough. Probably Barkley, but I think it's close. Uh, if I was a, the, the funny part is if, if you're a contending team, I can see doing this in the girly side. I think girly's in for it, can have a pretty big 2020 season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But you're taking on Ayuk, right? If I was going to sort of do this and say I need to turbocharge my team to be competitive in 2020, do, like I like the girly aspect, but you're taking Ayuk, it's, it shouldn't be a, a year one expectation type thing. So I would be, um, I think that I, if I was trying to contend this year and thought at the same time, I can, basically go from Barkley to Jonathan Taylor. And I don't think it's that huge of a gap and add Gurley. The third piece I'd want would be something more uh, in the contending window than Ayuk, but I do like Ayuk. 